0: The ag equipment space is heating up as pressures mount from every direction on producers struggling with high input prices, climate consciousness, and demands for increased efficiency. How might autonomous airborne tech fit into that picture? That's today on Field Posts. Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. Joel Richenberger, senior editor for the Progressive Farmer, is fresh off a visit to the 2022 InfoAg Conference and has been digging into the rapidly maturing world of drone technology ever since. What was once a piece of fringe equipment used for scouting or photography has this summer grown into a valuable implement that farmers around the country are using for precision spraying. Not one but many companies are wading into the drone space angling towards bigger machines that can carry more chemical, while at the same time executing on highly precise instructions that may soon, companies expect, be able to replace even terrestrial sprayers. We'll get into the details around price, timelines, and what farmers are saying with Joel, and here are some hints about what the incumbent equipment players might have in store in the years ahead. We'll talk use cases, limitations, and what's next, right after this word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by MyDTN. In today's environment, it's essential, more than ever, to get the most current and accurate information to help save your valuable resources and continue to be profitable. Get access to all the information you need to deal with this change from DTN. As the leading independent, trusted source of actionable insights and market information, myDTN gives you accurate weather forecasts, the most extensive database of grain bids, and the most timely news and analysis from our award-winning news team. These features and more are available 24/7 via desktop, laptop, and any mobile device to be with you on the go. Learn more at mydtn.com and start a free 14-day trial. Now, back to the show. Joel Richenberger is a senior editor for the Progressive Farmer who focuses, in addition to his award winning photography, on tech. Joel, so excited to have you recently back from InfoAG. Give us a little bit of an update on what you saw at this year's event.
1: Infoag is always such an interesting event. I've been it was one of the very first events. I went to when I started with DTN and Progressive Farmer four years ago. And I always like it because some of it goes way over my head, but there's always just enough that I can catch that it ends up turning into really interesting stories that really talk about a lot of the stuff that's really on the cutting edge of technology. And it's a conference has changed a little bit over the last couple of years since COVID, where it's even a little less of that that almost academic side now and a little more A little more real kind of boots in the dirt kind of uh, agronomist advice. How to be an agronomist is what some of it felt like it was. So this year's wasn't quite as much of that kind of far-fetched speculation, what the university researchers are dreaming about. And it was a little more boots in the dirt stuff, but there's still a lot of technology and a lot of different startup companies in the ag tech space. And uh, that's some of my favorite stuff to write about. So it was really interesting. And I came back with a notebook full of ideas as usual.
0: I think you got a chance to talk a little bit. We've done, actually, the last time we had you on the podcast, we talked about drones, which is a favorite topic of ours. I think a topic that has been covered for a long time, but it seems like we've recently maybe hit something of a tipping point. Talk to us about some of the conversations you had at InfoAg about what might be in the pipeline for drone tech.
1: It's funny you mentioned the phrase tipping point. I was talking to Arthur Erickson, who's the CEO of Helio which is one of the leading producers in ag-specific drones and sprayer drones. And uh, I talked to him a lot about the idea of a tipping point. And we didn't talk at InfoAg, we talked shortly after I got home. And it was funny because he's almost, he almost pushed back at the idea of a tipping point because he's like too deep in it to see if the public is starting to shift on this because he is, he's believed in drones, he's believed in spraying drones, overtaking ground spraying rigs for five or six years now since he came on with the company or started the company. So I was talking about a tipping point, and boy, I hear a lot of anecdotal evidence of more and more farmers using spraying drones for special cases, and it seems like, just anecdotally, it seems like it's gone from something that, boy, maybe one neighbor did and you thought was really interesting to something that that a lot of farmers are really considering really seriously. And this summer, that a lot of farmers actually actually. Pull the trigger on, and maybe started to do it for the first time. Whether they purchased their own drone or hired a contractor to come out and do it, it does seem, it does seem like it's hitting that point. And so I talked to Arthur a little bit, and he finally admitted that he's maybe not in the best position to, to judge how the public views drone spraying. But uh, but he said that they're coming off their best summer they've ever had, and uh, he's even more excited about what's to come. And he talked about the drone they. Rolled out this summer, like they rolled out in the spring, and this was its first summer fully in action. It was the AG 130, which is a really big drone. It was a big step for the company, it carries eight gallons, and uh, and it did a lot of work for a lot of farms this summer. But uh, it didn't take much sprouting to get Arthur to start talking about the successor to that, which they're hoping to start having in fields next spring, which is going to be twice the size. It's going to be 16 gallons. And uh, boy, when you start getting up there, You really start to talk about the capacities and the efficiency that that not always and not in a lot of cases, but perhaps in some cases is going to rival the way farmers have traditionally sprayed. And that's a real exciting moment for, for a lot of these companies and for a lot of farmers, especially the ones that kind of really thrive on the cutting edge, like seeing some of this technology evolve to the point where it can be competitive and where it is realizing some of these dreams that some of these guys have had for it is a real exciting moment for a lot of these companies and people.
0: I can only imagine because I feel like for quite a while now, we've been talking about drones with main, the main application being, besides just being an interesting novelty and fun for, I think, people to, to use on their operations for a bunch of different reasons. I think the biggest application has been scouting. This is a, a sprayer. Talk a little bit if you can about how farmers actually use this. I imagine it's for... Not for a whole field, but for maybe spot spraying or, I don't know, give us kind of an idea of how farmers are putting this to work. Well,
1: I, I think that's where things are maybe starting to shift. And as this kind of new wave of drones comes out, maybe things will shift a little more. At, at InfoWag, I talked, to the, I talked to one of the co-founders of Rantizo, Matt Beckworth, and he talked a lot about how they've been using DJI drones, which is a Chinese company. And DJI produces a lot of the drones that that farmers and regular consumers are familiar with. And I use a DJI drone for photography, for instance, but they build large sprayer drones as well. And he saw, again, a new wave of equipment coming from these manufacturers. And he really thinks that's a turning point to where some farmers will really be able to go from spot spraying and maybe some real particular work that drones are being used for now to perhaps taking on that 80 acre field all on their own. And the dream is they pull up with a storage container or something, you know, unhook up from the back of the truck, pull out the drones, press go, and then they take off and they go and they spray. And when they whenever necessary, they come back and recharge and, and refill their tanks. And Rantizo in particular, several years ago, really kind of broke some ground when it came to having drones sprayers operate in swarms. So that kind of about doubles or triples your efficiency right there in terms of how many acres an hour you can get. And so when you have a swarm of these and they're bigger and they, the batteries last longer and they're carrying more spray, th- that efficiency goes up and up. And it does start to get to the point where it is more than just something that you might use for a particularly hilly field or a spot that you can't easily get your big ground rig sprayer to. All of a sudden it becomes something you might use to spray just a normal, more accessible field. When even last year, that probably wasn't super realistic or reasonable.
0: Fascinating news cases. I'm curious though about, especially as these tools start to get bigger, I'm curious about maybe some limitations. I can imagine that you eventually get to a size as you go upwards of 16 gallons where this is a big piece of equipment. And one that is, I imagine, pretty expensive. uh, Some questions that come to mind, are farmers going to be able to use this themselves or is there going to have to be an operator to do that? Are they going to need special space to get off the ground or to fill them up or, I don't know, curious what kind of those logistical sides of doing something really different than just mixing chemicals and putting it into a sprayer. What's the drone equivalent of that?
1: I think that's a great question. And a lot of that remains to be answered, I think. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how farmers... Start to incorporate this into their into their operations. Again, I use a small DJI drone for photography. And I bought the one I bought because I can pack it in my carry-on luggage when I need to fly to go to a photo shoot. And so in, in the back of my head, a drone is still something that that if you're gonna take it in the pickup with you, it'll fit in the passenger seat. But that is quickly becoming not the reality. When these are becoming very much larger, years ago, a couple years ago, they were bound by 50 or 55 pounds limit by the FAA. And that included the spray and the batteries and everything. And now some of these are already pushing 170 pounds, which is much larger and has really allowed some of this other innovation. And yeah, so they're becoming much larger fast. And that becomes a whole different kind of thing when it's something that you can fit in the cab of the truck versus something that is going to require some space in the shed when you're not using it. That's a different calculation for farmers. And as you mentioned, there are major financial investments. Like it, to, to buy one of the, the, uh, the G130, which is Helio's latest, uh, that came out this last spring, I think it starts at 30000 30, or so. Which that's, that's not a small investment for farmers, especially if you're going to want to buy a couple of them or something. Rantizo more doesn't sell drones directly. They most often work with contractors who will come out and spray And uh, I suspect it'll work. It is working, and will continue to work. A lot, like a lot of sprayer operations work now, where it might be the local co-op or something, or a local agronomist might have a small fleet, and that's who you work through to get stuff sprayed, rather than having your own rig. It's going to be interesting to see how the farm infrastructure adapts to to this new piece of equipment, this new realm of equipment that that uh, 10 years ago was not something anyone was investing any money in, or any shed space, or any thought at all. And now you're going to start to see farmers really factor that into to a lot of different elements that are operation.
0: Great segue into, I'm curious whether either at InfoAg itself or in talking to the CEOs or Even just other reporting. I'm curious are the people who are trying out these drones in the first summer that they available they're available, are they just the folks who are excited about new technology? Are these people who have very specific use cases? And yeah, I'm curious if you've heard anything about their experience so far.
1: I think that's where it comes to the tipping point. I think yeah, I think even a year ago, two years ago, it was just the cutting-edge farmers, the people who really liked kind of being out there and being the first. And there are definitely some of those people. You know, they're always fun to interview, and I always ask them how big the stack in the corner of their shed is with old wires and old chargers and pieces of, of technology that they didn't end up using long term. And a lot of them could open a museum, is what they tell me. But uh, I think a couple of years ago, those were the ones who were really who were getting really serious about the scouting and starting to dabble in the spring. And now, now, flash forward to twenty twenty two and going into twenty twenty three. And I think it's starting to creep beyond that. I think it's starting to creep beyond beyond those early adopters and get into to being a kind of technology that regular farmers are interested in. And it, you, you, of course, talk to the people in the industry and it's always in five years, boy, it's always gonna be totally different. And I hear that often enough that I think I instinctually take it with a grain of salt a little bit sometimes. But boy, they really think we're really close to that time where there are thousands of dro- drones now operating now, perhaps. And in five years, there might be hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands at the very least. Where it's really going to take that next step from something that that the early adopters are doing to something that a lot of farmers see value in and see efficiency in. And it's has taken some convincing and is going to continue to take some convincing. Farmers are a practical lot and they need to see that return, they need to see that gain in efficiency, they need to see a good reason to to invest $30,000 in a new piece of equipment, for instance. And I think they may start to see that very soon.
0: A related question to that, I'm curious how much of the conversations you had with these folks who are rolling out these new drones and potentially rolling out some new ones in the coming years, How much is this conversation around input efficiency, given that prices are ticking up pretty healthily over the last couple of years and we're seeing a lot more, even just like difficult to get a hold of some inputs, crop chemicals in particular, the price that people are seeing, is there a argument being made that drones can increase the efficiency really perfect applications versus maybe a more conventional spray rig?
1: That's interesting because you look at that's a big promise of a of a technology like John Deere's sea and spray, and I know there's Green Eye Technologies is another spraying another spring outfit that's promising to do something along those same lines where, you know, where it'll scan your field and just spray the weeds as you're driving over them. So are drones going to be more efficient than that? I don't know. It certainly seems plausible for drones to incorporate that kind of technology as they, as they grow and more technology gets added into them. But the efficiency overall is something that the engineers certainly do talk about a lot. And they see that as one of the great one of the great possibilities for drone spraying is the ability to map it and then to come in and be real particular about when and where you spray. They argue it offers big efficiencies over something like uh, uh, crop dusting, more traditional airplane crop dusting, where you're spraying over a field. They say, well, those guys spray over a field, we spray on a field. We spray on, on the plants and we get right down into it and uh, so they're promising much better efficiency than crop dusters for instance. So yeah, I think ultimately kind of that efficiency and that uh, using much less product is one of the one of the great promises of the technology, I think. It'll be really interesting to see over the next decade or so how that bears out and if farmers really do find themselves using less and less. Farmers that I've interviewed that are actively using drones in their fields, they've certainly reported that. They go from spraying the whole field to using ten or fifteen or twenty percent as much spray to really focus on areas that that they need rather than spraying the whole field to solve one problem or something. And uh, farmers like that are certainly starting to see are certainly starting to see some of those some of those gains and some of the savings. And uh, it'll be interesting to see that, if that's the experience industry wide, which I think we'll certainly start to see as, as these as this technology continues to spread.
0: You made a good reference there. That leads me into my next question, which is I think you mentioned Rantizo, you mentioned Helio. It seems like a lot of the energy, a lot of the kind of new products and exciting things are coming out of really startups, really new companies that maybe a lot of folks haven't heard of. Any sense from the John Deere's of the world, the kind of conventional incumbent equipment makers, I will say, that they are getting excited about what's going on in drones, that they might be interested in integrating some drone technology or some drone equipment into the tools that they offer?
1: Yeah, it's always really interesting, because I'm always asking myself those same questions. And you so rarely get a peek behind the curtain of a company like John Deere or something, a couple of years ago, I was at the Agrotechnica in Germany, in Hanover, Germany, and boy, that was, it was so fascinating because it felt like one of the times where Deere really let me behind the curtain, at least, where a lot of the stuff they were, had on display there was really futuristic stuff. And I'd been writing about startup companies that did uh, did autonomy and, you know, and then kept wondering, where's Deere at in this? Well, Deere is, of course, not prone to say. And then you go, oh, they've got several options here that are all really advanced. And they're exploring down different avenues, and they're well down the path. At, at that same, at that event, they did have two different drone spraying options. Now, Grant, this is, I think, this is going on more than two years ago now. So they've certainly progressed a lot from this. But they did have one thing that was almost a a garage that I, the idea was you'd leave it in the field, and your drones would refuel and. and load up at this and then spread out over the field. And these were John Deere branded drones. And uh, then they also had partnered with a company in Europe that was working on a, the basis of the company was building a gigantic thing. It looks like a quadcopter kind of thing, but I think there was more like like 15 helicopter motors rather than four or six. And the idea was to be like a, a taxi in really congested cities. And you'd sit in the middle and this thing would lift you off and take you wherever you wanted to go. They had partnered with John Deere to make that a sprayer as well. And this thing was very large. And this was the size of an SUV, at least in a great big circle. And I haven't seen any more agricultural use of that since. But uh, my experience dealing with a lot of these big ag companies, I'm sure they're working on stuff and I'm sure it is going to be close to the top of the market. And I always think that's a really interesting relationship between the startups who are pushing the envelope a little more publicly and then the big companies who are probably doing so behind closed doors, or sometimes they'll go acquire some of these smaller companies, which is what happens a lot. So it'd be really interesting to see, yeah, when when some of the big, when some of the big dogs kind of enter in and put their foot down and see what they bring to the kind of what they bring to the game because i'm sure i'm sure they're aware and i'm sure they're working on it
0: i think we all remember john deere's i don't know maybe it was in like 2015 they did that like future farming video oh yeah uh, big and splashy there were definitely drones in there so it'll be interesting to see I just have a last couple of questions. I want to ask first that what's next question. You mentioned that Rantizo has a different, an upgraded drone that they'll be rolling out next summer. you talked a little bit about maybe what some of the incumbents might have in store, but in terms of stuff that you'll be watching drone-wise, other kinds of interesting technology, any announcements that you are expecting to see maybe between now and the end of the year or that you would like to see or think you might see? What tech news will you be watching for the next couple of months?
1: There are a couple companies I need to- To learn a little more about. There's a there's another drone company named Guardian that has a really interesting looking drone that I I know they're hoping to roll out next summer in 2023. And then I'm going to a farm show next week in Iowa, and there's a company I'm supposed to meet with there that has some really interesting, really interesting technology again when it comes to spraying, aerial spraying, that, that I think is going to be really interesting as well. In terms of what's in the future, are we, are there any more big ideas that we haven't necessarily seen yet, or are we gonna see are we gonna see a lot of these ideas we've been talking about for for five years? Are we gonna see them really start to become more useful and more efficient and actually get into the hands of farmers and to get to the point where a lot of men and women are actually using these pieces of equipment and it's really saving them really saving them on the farm and helping them get through harvest when it comes to autonomy. Autonomous grain carts are st- and, and equipment like that that I've been writing about since I started with DTN. A lot of that stuff is available commercially now. I guess what, what I'm looking forward to in the next year or so is to see that stuff really start to trickle down and become really get into the hands of a lot of different farmers and really, really become something people are using. And I think, I guess, I think that's more the future. There's always so much more to be gained in terms of data and how to use data and how to turn that all into actionable. Results and, and I think there's a lot of progress to be made in, in that realm. So that's going to be really interesting to watch as well. But when it strictly comes to the hardware point, I don't know that there's any big new ideas that we haven't seen unroll yet. But I do think we're going to start to see a lot of stuff that's been out there get refined and get into the field and become a lot more real to a lot of farmers out there.
0: You are very, a very busy reporter of following all kinds of stories. I wonder if you could flag maybe a couple of things that you're working on that listeners should be keeping an eye out for in the next couple of months.
1: I'm the chief photographer for Progressive Farmer magazine. And I we have this young farmers program, which I really love because it gets me all around the country to meet farmers doing all kinds of interesting, different stuff. And so we have five every year. I already visited one in far South Texas. And that was really interesting, being r- r- right there on the border, and that was something I'd never really been down there very much. And uh, so that was really interesting to to meet him and get a lot of really great photography and really talk about what it's like to farm down there and live down there, which sometimes feels like an entirely different world than where I grew up and where I live now. I've got other trips for that coming up: Arkansas and Illinois and Nebraska. So that's really gonna that's really gonna dominate my next the uh, next couple months of work is getting out to those places and getting those photos, but some, there's some other really interesting stuff. I I always try to do a couple different things on each trip and try to see some other farmers and get a couple feature stories. So yeah, I got a couple things out there. I always love when farmers find creative ways to kind of, there's creative ways to either keep the farm alive and keep farming or creative ways to make money doing, using the same ground and the same crops that their fathers and grandfathers did to find different ways to to find different ways to maybe make a buck. And I've got some, I've got a couple stories along those lines that I'm really excited to report here in the next couple months as well.
0: To read Joel's stories and to catch up on all his recent and future reporting, check out the DTN Progressive Farmer magazine or catch his up-to-the-minute reporting anytime at dtnpf.com. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer with special thanks to Joel Richenberger. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier and Kylie Swanson. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, remember, the future of farming is here. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by DTN Ag Weather Station. Are you looking to get more accurate, hyper-local weather information? By gathering weather and agronomic data directly from your own fields, DTN Ag Weather Station supports you when making targeted decisions around expensive or high-risk activities like chemical applications and irrigation. DTN's Ag Weather Station can be purchased for as low as $9 a month depending on your current customer status with DTN. If you're looking to increase your weather accuracy while saving time, please visit DTN.com.